T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to another edition of News You Can Use right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. I'm Ann Baldwin, and I'm so excited to talk about a great event that's coming up later this month featuring the state's brightest young minds who are all taking part in the 75th Diamond Fair. When we say fair, we mean the Connecticut Science and Engineering Fair. And with us today is Frank LaBanca, who is the director of the Connecticut Science and Engineering Fair. And Frank, it seems like you were just on the show talking about this two days ago. Yeah, it's <laughs> great to be back with you, Ann. And thank you so much for having me. We are so, so excited to be celebrating the 75th Connecticut Science and Engineering Fair. You know, this is Connecticut's premier opportunity for students to showcase their science and engineering work. And students come from all over the state uh, to to do this with us. Well, and you know, a lot of work goes into it, right, for these students. So talk a little bit about, you know, the process. When do these students, you know, the kids are from uh, grade seven right up to seniors in high school, right? And so how, when do they start working on these projects? And are these their own concepts and ideas that they come up with? So, yeah, we have two uh, parts of the fair. We have a middle school part and a high school part, middle school covering 7th and 8th grade and high school 9 through 12. And many of these students uh, engage in projects over a wide a range of time. Some students have been working on their projects for multiple years. Some students uh, for the past six months or the past school year. It, it really uh, varies from, from student to student and school to school. But uh, these, these young men and women, these talented students, engage in such an exciting research process. They uh, seek questions that are unknown in a lot of cases and, and try to come up with unique, innovative solutions. So uh, they develop their ideas on their own. Sometimes they work in labs across the state with mentors and, uh, and they participate in part of the research process that's already occurring. But I think the hallmark to a really great research project for a student is is one that, that they take ownership in, that they've developed some of that idea themselves or entirely themselves because they found a problem uh, in the world that needed solving. That's amazing, Frank. You know, and some of the categories are, are life and physical science, biotechnology, computer science, and the list goes on. And you talk about, you know, the, the state's brightest young minds. And isn't it great that we've got this generation, you just said it, thinking about what's a problem and how can it be solved? I mean, that really probably is the thought process that goes into a lot of these projects. Yeah, I know, you know, sometimes people are down on the younger generations, but when you see these kids in action, the work that they do, 
uh, the thoughts they have, you know our world is, is going in a, in, in a good place. They, they, there's something special about the younger generations today that they really recognize that um, they can make a difference in the world, and, and those that are choosing to do it through STEM research uh, are making that difference. Absolutely. Again, we're speaking with Frank LaBanca, and he's the director of the Science and Engineering Fair, which is a nonprofit organization. So obviously, you've been doing this for a while, and you volunteer your time, as do many others that get involved in this project. Why don't we talk about that? Because you can't do it alone. These things don't just no, happen. No. And it's coming up at Quinnipiac University, uh, we should mention. So it's going to be a really big deal, and um, it's on March 15th. But talk a little bit about what goes into putting something like this together, Frank. Sure. So the Connecticut Science and Engineering Fair is an all-volunteer nonprofit. Everyone in the organization, myself included, we all volunteer our time uh, to do this work. And so we have students coming from over 100 schools across the state of Connecticut, and they've gone through an extensive registration process and vetting to ensure their projects are safe and appropriate for research competition, as well as being in compliance with all of the rules that are set forth. They work with their teachers uh, to organize and set up their projects, and we have teams of people that work on the back end to make that happen. So we have an entire team dedicated to registration and getting the students registered. And once the students' projects are registered, our SRC, or Scientific Review a Committee, reviews those projects uh, to make sure they're in compliance with the rules and safe for students. And it's really kind of cool because that's an online process. We have uh, members of our committee who are actually even out of the country. We have volunteers in England that uh, participate in our review committee. and and. And that's really neat. And then when we get to the actual fair part, we do it in two parts. We do a preliminary round, which is a virtual round of judging. So every student gets an opportunity to share their research with a practicing scientist and engineer. And uh, I'm pretty excited. We have over 10 states uh, where we're going to get judges from this year. Wow. Uh, some of our, yeah, some of our sponsors have locations uh, across the country. They're, they're national companies or multinational companies. And so they send out the call for their scientists and engineers to help us out. And so, you know, from California to Illinois, Michigan, of course, the majority are from Connecticut, but we've got Massachusetts, Texas, Florida. We've got judges coming from all over to, to judge our students. And then, as you uh, alluded to, we're having our in-person finalist judging at Quinnipiac University. Quinnipiac is also very generous to us. They uh, donate the entire location for us. Uh, free of charge so we can have the students who are finalists come in person and really feel that high energy of the fair where students are sharing with the qualified adults and um, and having that wonderful face-to-face -face experience. Well, that's fantastic, and I'm so glad that you're back in person this year because COVID has just thrown a wrench into everything, right? But it doesn't mean that the Connecticut Science and Engineering Fair didn't go on because you just had to shift gears, right? You just had to kind of figure out how to do this thing virtually, but it's just not as much fun, right? It's not as much fun for anybody, not the judges, not the students. Um, so it must feel good to be back at Quinnipiac and, and get everybody in one room. Yeah. And, and I think everybody knows that there's nothing like the feel of being at a live conference. Mm -hmm. and, and basically that's what the Connecticut Science and Engineering Fair is. It's a live opportunity for students to display their work. A lot of times uh, students have demonstrations that they, uh, they do, whether that be technology-based or if they've built some innovative engineering device they want to share and showcase. Um, there's nothing like being able to feel it and touch it 
and talk directly to that person face to face. Right. So you've been doing this a long time. Talk a little bit about historically, what are some of the aha moments or some of the projects that really kind of stick in your mind that you've seen come out of this event in years past? Yeah. So maybe we can talk about a few of the great projects that came out uh, from last year, because as, um, as many people know, this Connecticut Science and Engineering Fair is the state fair in Connecticut, but we are actually a regional of the International Science and Engineering Fair, and that is the largest uh, science fair in the world this year to be held in Dallas, Texas, in May. And so some of the students that went last year uh, did some amazing, amazing work for us. I, I'm thinking perhaps of uh, Naomi Park, who was a student from Greenwich High School, who developed a method. She noticed that corals, uh, you know, from coral reefs, uh, uh, were capable of picking up oils and uh, cleaning water. They, they became, you know, they sort of natural filtration device. Mm -hmm. However, you can't use coral to clean up um, uh, incidents in the ocean because, you know, what happens? The coral dies, and, and that's, that's not good for the environment. So she actually came up with a a design artificial coral sponge that she made and she was able to demonstrate that she was able to pull almost 90 percent of contaminants in the water out of of, of water using a, um, a, a an artificial coral that she designed wow tested and, and worked on and I thought that was pretty pretty amazing work and then I'm also thinking of Nicholas Lee from the Hopkins School in New Haven and uh, he, he, he had a very clever engineering project. He was trying to understand the tracking of how uh, animals, specifically ants, uh, if he could motion track them. So he designed a, <laughs> uh, a device which sort of looked like a globe, and the ant would like walk across the globe, but he had sensors on it and artificial intelligence computer programming that would actually track the ant and rotate the sphere so the ant always would stand on the top. You know, some implications for uh, artificial learning and, and you know, figuring out not only a, um, a model for how insects move in the environment, but also a very unique way of, of tracking that in a device. You know, that's one of those great things that you would see in person and say, wow, that's pretty cool. Right. Well, if he could figure out, someone could figure out how to keep the ants away from people's picnics, that would be a big one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want to go back to the artificial coral thing because I just saw something on the national news where they're actually planting, you know, coral farms you know, in a lot of these mm -hmm. areas to do just what this student has done. So let's take that coral project as an example. So then what happens? Like, is there a bigger company that sees that? Do they partner with her to take it to the next level? Or where do these projects end up? Yeah, so, you know, that's a very much it depends. Uh, sometimes these students uh, take these interests and and work with one of our award winners. One of our awards we give to students is actually uh, lunch with a patent attorney, and uh, and the patent attorney will meet with the student, uh, pick a student that has maybe an innovative project, and and meet with that student and try to uh, see if there's something patentable. And we've had many students develop patents over the years as a result of their work in the Connecticut Science and Engineering Fair. We've actually had companies that have been started from student projects uh, from the Connecticut Science and Engineering Fair, and and then some students make careers out of their science fair projects. Hmm. And they go on to to uh, ma major in college in these topics and, and move on. We've actually had, thinking back many years ago, we had a student who did marine science research and, 
and she's a professor now and was actually one of the MacArthur Genius Award winners. Uh, and we have um, one of our speakers that's going to be at our award ceremony this year, former FAIR participant who started as CEO and started up a, a technology company that uh, helps with instrumentation. That's unbelievable. So these these projects don't just stop there, you know, and that's the good thing about it. It's kind of like planting the seed for who knows what the future could bring. Well, it's really exciting. Again, it's the 75th Diamond Fair. That's that's a big deal. 75 years. I mean, we, you know, we have interesting yeah. countdown, right? Because do we count COVID? Do we not count COVID? But absolutely count COVID. So you don't do this alone. And we should mention, too, that you're going to be giving out. This is amazing to me. $500,000 in awards, right? So you're going to yeah, give out about 400 awards and, um, you know, a lot of the scholarships that will be handed out to Quinnipiac, UConn, University of Hartford, University of New Haven. So what a great mm -hmm. opportunity for these kids. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's, that's one of the power powers of being an all-volunteer organization. We don't need to pay salaries. So anything we fundraise and write into for grant applications gets returned to the students. We have low operations costs, and so uh, the money really gets turned around to become recognition for these amazing student uh, researchers. So, you know, this is probably the only uh, show that you'll get to talk about your sponsors because your sponsors, we've got time for that. And I think it's important because we should call out the companies and the individuals that really support the Connecticut Science and Engineering Fair because you couldn't do it without them. Like you already mentioned, you know, Quinnipiac, you know, offering that space at no cost so that you can have this event. But I'm sure there's a lot of other people that are also behind this. Yeah. So some of our major sponsors and supporters include Alexion AstraZeneca out of New Haven, the Bowringer Engelheim Care Foundation out of Richfield and Danbury, the Jackson Laboratory uh, located at the Yukon Health Center, and PepsiCo. PepsiCo's got a wonderful story behind it too, because one of the uh, one of the research directors at PepsiCo, his child participated in the fair and said, you know, PepsiCo needs to get behind the Connecticut Science and Engineering Fair and support it. Um, and uh, the, the Connecticut Academy of Science and Engineering in East Hartford. I know those are our major sponsors, and then we also have a special category and grant sponsorship from Aureus Analytics, Energize Connecticut, Eversource, IBM, the Infosys Foundation, M&T Bank came on new with us this year, a longtime supporter of our Women Scientists, Pettit Foundation, Pfizer, Stanley Black & Decker, United Illuminating. Uh, that's just to mention a few. Mm -hmm. We're glad we're, we're also uh, joining us this year. Um, Aquarian Water Company and Otis Elevator is joining us this year as well. And, and you know, we can't do it without our sponsors. And it's, if any of your listeners are in a position to help us and support us, we're certainly interested in uh, having them join us and sponsor uh, the most talented students across the state. Absolutely. And if you want more information, and, and I'm sure you're going to be posting a lot of the results and a lot of the projects on your website um, after the fair, I would encourage people to go to ctsciencefair.org. That's where you can find all the information and, and you keep that updated. And I'm also excited, I he see here that Gil Simmons, who's a meteorologist at WTNH, he's also going to be one of the judges for the meteorology category. Yeah, we're so excited to have Gil uh, participate in our event and, uh, and you know, 
get the kids all hyped up about the amazing careers, so many different careers in STEM, whether a student wants to go into computer science or meteorology or the health sciences field. They're, they're, it's such an open career opportunity. We know the state of Connecticut has such a high demand for students in IT and computer science right now. The jobs are there for these students, and we, uh, we're hopeful that we're one of the stepping stones that, that get students through the pipeline of STEM careers. And how do the students in the schools find out about taking part in this? So we, we mail regularly to um, all the schools across the state, and we introduce our program to them. And you know we're very excited that so many schools do participate uh, in our program, over 100 schools this year. And those are private schools. They're uh, public schools. We've got a great public magnet school uh, participation rate, which I think is really exciting for, um, for underrepresented communities that, that get to participate in our fair as well, you know, from Avon to Hartford to Weston to Milford, uh, they're coming from all over the state to participate in the Connecticut Science and Engineering Fair. Well, you talked about them getting to go to Dallas, some of the ones that are selected, but then there's also an international competition that some of your students may go to. Yeah, so, you know, we often say you can get to there from here and we're here. And uh, so we offer students uh, opportunities to participate uh, the top research projects get to go uh, to the Genius Olympiad, in, um, and that, that is an international competition that takes place at the University of Rochester. Um, we have the International Science and Engineering Fair, and although it, and that brings students from multiple countries all over the world, usually about 1,500 projects and well over 2,000 students, that event is the one that's taking place in Dallas this year. And don't forget our middle school students. Uh, Thermo Fisher Scientific is running a middle school contest for our top winners as well. And, and that, that top middle school student, whoever that is from across the country, will have the opportunity to win a $50,000 scholarship. Wow, that's crazy. So let me ask you this, Frank, because we've talked a lot about the fair, a lot of what these students are bringing to the table here. You know, can our listeners see these projects? Is there an opportunity for them to see the outcomes? Absolutely. So uh, two ways you can see the projects at the Connecticut Science and Engineering Fair. Number one, uh, actually maybe three ways. Number one, you could go to our website, ctsciencefair.org. On the front, on the homepage, you'll see our project portal. As students are uploading their projects, you can see them live uh, now. Some of them even have videos that uh, share some of their work, so check them out at our website. When we have our award ceremony on March 18th, uh, we'll be uh, simulcasting that on YouTube. So people who want to see the, um, the award ceremony can see that on YouTube. And then, you know, if you have expertise in the STEM fields and you want to be a judge, although uh, we're very close, we're, we're always looking for volunteers and judges. So if you'd like to judge, please go to our website also and, and register to judge. We're looking for experts, people with expertise in the science and engineering fields. So what what is the task of the judges? What is their commitment if they get involved? So we have very flexible opportunities for judges if they want to participate. You can do virtual for judging for us uh, this week, March 7th and 8th, and that's um, a commitment during the day. You log in on Zoom or you can come in person to Quinnipiac University on March 15th and uh, judge in person there. All right, so what else do we need to know about this? Because... Um, 
it's you know it's a lot of work i know that it takes a lot of time like you've said it takes a lot of volunteers it takes a lot of sponsors um so what do you want you know the people that are listening to this program to know why is it important for all of us to really get behind you know not only the connecticut science and engineering fair but really you know the stem and and all the things that go into education to take it really beyond that right this isn't just i mean it's in their schools but they take it way beyond the school day yeah, so the Connecticut Science and Engineering Fair is not what the movies would portray as a, a science fair. We don't have any volcanoes. and uh, <laughs> You don't have baby chicks hatching? <laughs> we don't have the baby chicks hatching. No, we don't have those types of things because students are attacking real, relevant problems, and, and they've identified them, and they're seeking out solutions to them. And... Doing research is really a different way of learning. And uh, in a traditional science class, you might participate in a laboratory experience that spans an hour, an hour and a half. You collect the information. The teacher knows what the results are going to be in advance. You make the graph that the teacher wants you to make and write the report and move on. And, and, and don't get me wrong, that is a very important part of becoming a literate science uh, and an engineering citizen. However, when students engage in uh, the authentic science research project, that doesn't take place in an hour, an hour and a half. And that doesn't uh, have predetermined results that are, are expected by the teacher. Uh, teachers and students are engaging in a different kind of learning, one that is highly engaging and motivating for students. And, and teachers' roles are different. They become the coaches uh, of their students to really prepare them and help them to be successful in not only designing a project, but learning those important communication skills mm -hmm. in, order to, or in order to share that information with uh, an educated audience and, and, frankly, to an audience uh, that might not know the science as well. And whether a student does um, move on in, in the STEM fields, we certainly know and, and have experienced that students are going to gain really great communication skills in the process, too. And uh, that that is so important. You know, the science fair, while may have a traditional sound to it, really is innovative education because mm -hmm. it's getting students to do things and learn in ways that um, that is driven by self-interest uh, develops high levels of student agency, and it certainly is personalized to the individual needs of the student. Yeah, and like you talked about the research piece, you know, reaching out to other individuals in their fields um, to get their expertise, to get their feedback, and then that in-person, you know, here's my project, presenting that, the people skills and the presentation skills that go with that, you know, they're essential. What, Like you said, whether these kids go into the STEM field or not, these are all real life skills that they'll take with them wherever they end up. And I, I just, I'm so excited. I'm just so excited for you and I'm so excited for these students. So you're gonna have um, final judging will be in person at Quinnipiac University at the Rec Center. That's happening on March 15th, all morning long. What is it like to see the faces of these students when they're judged and win? Yeah, I'm, they don't know if they won until the award ceremony, but you know, they they you can tell they're already winners because they just have this energy the mm -hmm. smiles that come across and the energy when when a judge asks them a question about their research and and i think what's exciting for the kids is a lot of times some of these this will be the first time some of these students will 
talk to an actual practicing science scientist or engineer. And when they realize that someone knows what they're talking about and can ask a meaningful, relevant question of their work, that is just inspiring uh, for the student and encouraging for them so that they might continue with this kind of passion. Well, that's fantastic. And again, we want to urge people, if you want more information or you want to check out some of the projects um, featuring just these unbelievable students from, like you said, all across Connecticut, 100 schools participating. And that is really exciting. That's a great participation rate. We would urge you to go to ctsciencefair.org. Okay, we got to wrap things up, Frank, but anything else you want people to know before I let you get back to uh, your real job? (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks so much, Ann. We really appreciate the opportunity to share what we're doing. Uh, with Connecticut and Connecticut you know these kids are our future and uh, if you see them in action you'll know we're heading in a good place well that's great and and thanks to you your entire committee and all your sponsors for everything you do and continued success and enjoy your 75th diamond Connecticut science and engineering fair Frank thank you so much Ann. have a great day thank you and of course thank you for tuning in to this edition of news you can use right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.